What is up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Ray Loves Movies. My name is Ray Taylor. And in this episode, I'm going to do, I believe, the first review. Actually, that's not true. The Room I didn't watch in a movie theater. So this will be potentially my second movie I reviewed um, that was not watched uh, was not watched in a movie theater. I watched this on Netflix, and it is by f- it, it's going to be the first documentary though uh, that I've reviewed. I'm almost positive of that. Um, but it's Netflix documentary or documentary you can find now on Netflix called Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony Clifton. Man, I fucked that one up. Uh, So it's a documentary basically about the making of, in a lot of ways, the uh, biopic for Andy Kaufman starring Jim Carrey. Uh, And it's a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff on um, basically the process uh, that Jim Carrey went through to accomplish the role. Uh, let me read the synopsis on IMDb here. A behind-the-scenes look at how Jim Carrey adopted the persona of uh, idiosyncratic comedian Andy Kaufman on the set of Man on the Moon, uh, Yeah, which came out in 1999. Uh, this documentary just came out today, or not today, this year anyway. And it is, I found it to be amazing. Now, I've heard uh, rumblings and and such from other people uh, kind of discussing or mentioning this documentary on other podcasts. And that's why I was curious to check it out, for sure. Uh, but they, it seemed like they had more of a negative uh, connotation to this documentary or a negative feeling towards it. Uh, mainly because Jim Carrey notably has been not necessarily in the news, but, you know, he's definitely kind of opened himself up to how, you know, one may say crazy or eccentric or just uh, going all the way with his creativity, I guess you could, I would probably say, Um He's been very much un-Jim Carrey-like in a lot of ways. Uh, been very uh, trippy and, uh, I don't know, like his viewpoints on certain things. I guess he might be, he's, a, he's an anti-vaccine guy, uh, which, you know, there's a lot of anti-vaccine people in the world. Uh, the ones that worry me the most are the ones that have children. I'm not sure if Jim Carrey has any children, um, but the people that, don't believe in vaccines that also have children and then don't get their kids vaccinated. Uh, those are kind of the people that worry me a little bit more than, you know, an eccentric movie star, famous person, uh, and their particular, uh, ideas and beliefs on, uh, science. Uh, but anyway, this is a documentary about Jim Carrey uh, while he's making the, uh, Andy Kaufman movie, which I've, I enjoy the movie Man on the Moon that came out. I was working at the movie theater. As everybody knows, I am in a movie theater parking lot despite not seeing this in a movie theater. I am still recording in a movie theater parking lot. Uh, but Jim, it came out 
Uh, Man on the Moon came out in 99, and I really enjoyed it. I wasn't really too familiar with Andy Kaufman necessarily. I don't know. I really don't know how much, if at all, I was familiar with Andy Kaufman. Uh, But, of course, everybody that saw the documentary or the movie... Uh, praised it, praised uh, Jim Carrey's portrayal of Andy Kaufman, and now seeing the making of, it's understandably why. It's under, it's easy to understand why it was so well-received by critics. I, I believe it was, at least my recollection of it. I thought it was amazing. Um, and it was basically Jim Carrey doing, you know, he's method acting, uh, of a guy, of a comedian, whose life was in many ways method for a comedy. Like, Andy Kaufman lived as Tony Clifton. He lived as, you know, the different characters in a lot of ways that he was. From this documentary, like, many people that knew Andy Kaufman didn't really know Andy Kaufman. Um, Like, very few people actually got to have a real conversation with Andy Kaufman. And same could be said with the people that worked with Jim Carrey on this on the biopic, because Jim Carrey was constantly in character, whether, you know, in character as Andy Kaufman, in character as Tony Clifton, in character as, you know, all the different characters, which, you know, a lot of them are kind of uh, escaping me right now, uh, the names of them. But uh, so I, I to me, the documentary was more. I don't know why I'm wearing these right now. Uh, the doc, or the, yeah, the documentary was more showing an artist, Jim Carrey, who I consider to be an artist, not just a a comedian or an actor, even though he was both and amazing as both. Uh, but it shows kind, it showed really his his arc in show business and maybe why he is the way he is, because he, he he became so famous so fast uh doing the movies uh, you know the dumb and dumber the mask uh what was the other one there was another one that came out uh pet ace ventura like he had done like a string of movies where he instantly became like the most famous one of the most highly paid actors in hollywood and he went from being you know just this awkward canadian funny kid to a superstar so it's almost, and because of his superstardom, he had to put on an act for people. So he became what people thought he should be. He became like Jim Carrey, Carrey as a as a character. He was a caricature of himself, almost like Andrew Dice Clay became the Dice Man, even though it was just uh, one of the characters of many in his act. Jim Carrey became the the guy that was the goofball and the thing and that was that was more of a persona he took on to be the entertainer that he was to be able to uh you know get into those extremely wacky roles that he was known for uh which you know is also another reason why when you see Jim Carrey he's in a lot more serious movies and I think he's acting from a different place of not just being the caricature of himself, of the wacky Jim Carrey. He's, you know, tried to dip into the more serious Jim Carrey. And in this documentary, he mentioned how all the movies that he did 
in a lot of ways reflected uh, his life at the time he was making those movies. So, you know, when he was filming Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, he was very emotional and depressed and, you know, sad. And during uh, The Truman Show, because he he was putting on a persona to the public, not truly being himself in front of the world, um, it felt very much to him like he was an actor in, you know, this undercover reality show like The Truman Show was. So super interesting, super interesting. And for me, at no point did I think, oh, Jim Carrey's lost it, Jim Carrey's crazy. Because he's like, imagine imagine being an actor who, who like, loves Daniel Day-Lewis, right? You're an actor that loves Daniel Day-Lewis, and they're going to make a movie, a biopic, about Daniel Day-Lewis, right? And as an actor yourself, you feel that his his uh, his kind of way he makes things and creates things, the person on motorcycle, uh, is similar to how you do it. So imagine somebody being a method actor trying to portray Daniel Day-Lewis, who's the method actor. Like, it's so meta. And that's what Jim Carrey was doing. Because Jim Carrey, you know, he had to audition for the role. They didn't want him for the role at first. So he made an audition tape because he felt that, you know, Andy Kaufman mirrored his life in a lot of ways. And he wanted to, and that's why he took the role. I'm sure why he took a lot of the roles that he took. And, you know, he, he did the, he basically, while doing becoming Andy Kaufman for the auditions, he he fell into it. If if it, it fit like a glove in a lot of ways, you know, those aren't his words, but, you know, that's what it sounded like, like the, it just fit him. Like it was very easy for him to just get lost being these different characters. And also, like, there's, during the interviews with Jim Carrey in the documentary, it's like, it's very, you're able to almost, he's almost able, because he fell into these characters, and he was, you know, Andy Kaufman and uh, Tony Clifton around the cast and crew, which a lot of people thought was maddening, which I'm sure a lot of people working with Andy Kaufman at the time found it to be very maddening that you're working with this guy that's constantly in character. Um, but he had some interesting perspectives on what Andy must have felt like in those moments where he was constantly Tony Clifton or, you know, part of the time Tony Clifton or, you know, always putting on a character and never really allowing himself to be himself. And I think that's kind of what Jim Carrey is right now, like this weird Jim Carrey that we're all seeing. I think that's just Jim Carrey not doing the the character of Jim Carrey anymore and just being his very much in his own head and very introspective and very thought-provoking kind of self. You know, because he's, he's older now, so he's, he's lived a very unique life that nobody's ever lived, very similar to Andy Kaufman, lived a very unique life. Like, imagine if Andrew Dice Clay just started to be the normal person that he is. It'd be very weird. People would be like, oh, Andrew Dice Clay's lost it. I would imagine, at least to, like, the general public. And I'm sure he would have, he still has viewpoints that are skewed very, very off-center. But, so that's what I thought. It was, it's very interesting, like, I, like, the layers this documentary has as far as, like, breaking down what it is to be 
not only just somebody who's famous that has to put on a certain persona in front of people, because if you don't put on that persona, then people think you're fake or think you're phony or, uh, you know, and it's it's a weird thing. And it's like when you especially if you grow up like Jim Carrey grew up being, you know, kind of the the person that lightened the mood and was and became the person that, you know, allowed other people to just kind of enjoy what he did. Um, I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. It made me love Jim Carrey more as an artist. You know, I would consider him an artist. Uh, I th- he's been in some of my favorite movies from comedies to serious movies. One of my favorite movies of all time is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it was powerful, I guess you could say. It was very meaty as far as the documentary, as far as all the things that it, I, I think it was trying to say or all the things that it said that spoke to me. Not that I'm that kind of, you know, you know, performance art is very much, I would say, tricky to navigate, especially if you're like a method actor where you're kind of the person you are gets lost. You know, when I'm making art, I'm not lost, but I'm not really there also. Like me, you know, there, if I'm making a, a painting or a drawing, that's that's not me there. You know, I'm not part of that. When you see it later on, you're not seeing me. Like, literally, you're not seeing me. Unlike when you see a movie, you literally are seeing Jim Carrey being another human. You know, being a different type of person that doesn't exist that he's creating. So I think the the lines get blurred a lot easier when when you you know, are a method actor or, or you're doing a project where you, you fall into whatever you're doing. Um, but I also thought it was funny, you know, cause like people, people criticize, I've heard critici- criticisms of Jim Carrey, how it's like, he said he was the guy in Truman show. He was the guy in these movies. And I don't think he meant literally like he thinks that the world is the Truman show where he is an actor and everybody else is our employees trying to fool him. But I think it's similar to that quote, you know, life is a stage and we're all just, you know, actors. And I probably butchered that quote, but I I think it's more of him kind of articulating that, that same kind of a feeling where, you know, a lot of people pretend to be things that they're not, you know, whether it's fake confidence, whether it's somebody going into a new field of work that they may not have the experience that other people have, the fake it till you make it kind of people, you know, the people that are one way in front of their friends where they're comfortable, another way in front of, you know, their parents, another way in front of their coworkers. You know, there's a lot of people, just regular everyday people that pretend to be something that they're not on a regular basis, whether it's somebody that, you know, you know, says that they're a motivational speaker and, you know, despite never actually speaking, doing that professionally, like kind of putting on a front in a way. 
And it's like everybody does that. And I think that that's what he was trying. In my opinion, that's what he was trying to articulate. And not that he's fucking crazy. And he thinks that, you know, there's a camera crew everywhere. Although there is. For his life, there are t- literally, in a lot of ways, cameras on him in every moment. But, I, you know, so it could be his delusion speaking uh, in that way. Or it could be his delusion his mild delusion allows him to break down society in in a way that at least makes more sense to him and his brain. Uh, but I loved it, you know, that that being a criticism that I've heard other people say and just in a different way where it's like, oh, he's delusional and thinks that it's like, no, I think I think it's more on the side of him realizing how fake most people are and in this moment of his life, he's kind of tired of being that fake person. And he, he kind of just opens up with his true ideas and his true thoughts on things. And maybe they might be something like, you know, vaccines where, you know, you might disagree with it, but he's not he's not going to shield that from you because he thinks that you might be offended or whatever. He's kind of living his his true self now more than he ever was before. Um but yeah, so I I I really felt like it was a movie like a love story in a way. This documentary in a way is like a love story to artists that go all the way. You know, the crazy artists. Maybe that's what Kanye's doing. You know, maybe he's let go of trying to be a specific person to specific people, and he's just being himself to 110%, you know? And sometimes when you are who you are 110%, you know, you don't fit into the standard mold of humanity, you know? I mean, most a lot, a lot of creative people... <clears throat> Like, a lot of people that are left-handed are creative, right? There's a lot of, like, uh, a huge amount of people that are left-handed creative. A huge amount of people that are dyslexic are creative. A huge amount of people, I would imagine, that are colorblind are creative. And it's because you you don't fit into society like everybody else. The majority of humans are right-handed. The majority of humans can read without letters being jumbled up. The majority of humans see... For the most part, all of the same colors that are available for them to see. There's a small percentage of people that can't. There's a small percentage of people where words are fucked up. There's a small percentage of people that, you know, use their left hand. And they have to try and find left-handed golf clubs, left-handed scissors, left-handed fucking mice, you know. And because of that, I remember reading or listening to, because, you know, a lot of people are creative that are left-handed is because they have to alter the way they think of the reality around them. So they're able to manipulate reality like everybody else because they have to be creative in their manipulation that bleeds their brain gets, you know, conditioned because it's constantly training, constantly thinking in ways that are different from other people. And because those ideas are shared, the regular people think that it's magic because you know they never would have necessarily thought of that in that from that angle or that perspective meanwhile the artist or the creative person 
you know, that's just their regular way of living to get through and to, you know, function in a universe that's not their own. You know, for me, I'm not left-handed. I bat left-handed. It's pretty much the only thing I do left-handed. I, I play tennis right-handed. I golf right-handed. I write right-handed. Right, right is my dominant hand. Left, I'm also a goofy foot. So if I'm surfing or skateboarding, I have my left foot forward. Um, so it's like I'm in that way. I'm a little. I'm a. You know, I'm definitely different. Um, I'm also mildly dyslexic. So reading, which I'm going to do at the very end of this, I'm going to read a passage from one of my favorite books. Uh, but reading's a little bit difficult for me. I don't care. You know, in school, it was it was one of the most stressful times in English class when the teacher went around the room and each student had to read a paragraph. I was always hoping for like the extremely short, you know, one to two sentence paragraphs that were just way easier to read because I suck at reading. And, I, you know, I have never been tested. I don't know if there's tests you can do necessarily to, you know, I'm sure there are to to, uh, you know, back up my my thoughts of being dyslexic. But I have a hard time reading. It's very exhausting for me to read. Uh, and then I'm also colorblind. That I know. I'm 100% colorblind. Not 100% that I don't see colors, but I have, like, pretty severe colorblindness. But I'm an artist. You know, I didn't realize, I didn't come to the realization that I was colorblind until my early 20s and I and I always like kind of knew you know I always just thought well one of my thoughts was I just never learned colors when I was young so I didn't know how to I didn't know the labels for the different colors and then you know yeah you know, I, I had all these excuses in my head of why I wasn't good at distinguishing you know, the green piece of Trivial Pursuit from the brown piece of Trivial Pursuit, other than the brown one is a little bit darker, at least in my head. <clears throat> so because of that, I have to think creatively. I have to think out of the box. And because I've thought out of the box for my whole life and I've developed thinking out of the box, not just, you know, with reading and colors and those things, but also just the fact that I've let myself be creative in different ways, you know? And it's it's very tough to be creative because, you know, not everybody understands. Not everybody understands. Not everything you create lands, you know? And that's that's a big difference between a true artist and somebody that's kind of pandering or just, you know or selling out, I guess you could call it. Even though it's like monetarily doesn't necessarily transfer because there's a lot of people that quote-unquote sell out their creativity and never make money versus, and there's probably a lot of people that go all in and don't make any money. So, you know, selling out as a as a different kind of a term or just, you know, shielding themselves from fear of being rejected so they stay in their very specific lane of creativity. They never really try to branch out. They never really try and do new things uh, because it's very scary. You know, being being rejected, being uh, told that what you just, 
you know, the essence of you that just got put into this thing wasn't received well hurts. But if you're the type of person that spent a lot of time kind of creating without paying attention to that criticism, then what you're going to get, it's going to be a lot easier to be that open, creative person. And, you know, you're able to realize that not everything hits, but that doesn't mean, you know, what you create today doesn't hit later, doesn't feed into what ends up hitting later. Um, so I want to read, I want to read a, so I love this documentary. I really do. Um, and despite how crazy people think, people thought Andy Kaufman was fucking crazy, right? And that was, and we never really, I don't think we ever got to see a real, the real Andy Kaufman, you know? So it's like, he never had the opportunity to do what Jim Carrey's doing right now. Like, imagine how, I mean, Andy Kaufman, the way he lived his life was pretty fucking crazy, right? Because he went, he went all in. He went all in from the get-go and whether it was him doing these things to shield himself from from reality or that's what he was putting out in the world that he wanted to do these different things that I don't know but imagine if Andy Kaufman just like dropped all of those things and then just was him and giving his true thoughts on things instead of having them filtered through the characters that he does people may have thought he he went off the deep end um so anyway, the book that I'm going to read from, a passage from, is called uh, The Art of War. Nope. The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Uh, and it's him discussing, I mean, the book is amazing. It's a very short read. Highly recommend it for any creative person. Um, it's very much about being open and not, not, worrying about failure not worrying about the end result but just putting yourself into what you love doing on a regular basis and uh and and then and then success will find you you know instead of you seeking success seek to be the best at what you do and i'm not reading yet but seek to be the best at what you do and if you do what you do with all that, you, I mean, all you can do is the best you can. So if you want to be the best actor, then just be all you can be within that space. And if society comes across and, and likes what you're doing, then they will. And if they don't, they don't. Doesn't mean you are good or bad at it. You know, it's not like popularity of an art form doesn't necessarily correlate with high art in my opinion i'm not a big fan of the the transformers movies i think they're dog shit i think you know the suicide squad i thought was a dog shit movie but were they popular do they make a shitload of money fuck yeah they do but in my opinion i don't think that necessarily correlates to what i would consider art or what I would consider good films, you know? I'm not a big fan of Basquiat. A lot of people love Basquiat's work. I like what he did. I like that he he broke down barriers and was his own self 
and did these things that nobody was doing. I love his bravery, but I'm not a big fan of his artwork necessarily. Um, so anyway, so this is uh, Pressfield's definition of a hack. I learned this from Robert McKee. A hack, he says, is a writer who second guesses his audience. When the hack sits down to work, he doesn't ask himself what's in his own heart. He asks, what's the market looking for? The hack can, uh, condescends his own, uh, the hack can condescends to his own, uh, to his audience. Fucking shit. The hack condescends to his own audience. He thinks he's superior to them. The truth is, he's scared to death of them. Or, more accurate, scared of being authentic in front of them. Scared of writing what he really feels or believes. What himself thinks is interesting. He's afraid it won't sell. So he tries to anticipate what the market, uh, what the market wants. Then gives it to them. In other words, the hack writes hierarchically. He writes what he imagines will play well in the eyes of others. He does not ask himself, what do I myself want to write? What do I think is important? Instead, he asks, what's hot? What can I make a deal for? The hack is like the politician who consults the polls before he takes a position. He's a demagogue. He ponders, he panders. He can pay off being a hack. It can pay off being a hack. Given the depraved state of American culture, a slick dude can make millions being a hack. But even if you succeed, you lose because you've sold out your muse. And your muse is you, the best part of yourself where your finest and only true works come from. Uh, so that's, that's the, uh, my brutal, brutal reading of, you know, if I had a few more takes, I could probably nail that. Um, but yeah, that's it. You know, Jim Carrey, early Jim Carrey, goofball Jim Carrey, was a hack in a lot of ways. He was giving the people what he thought they wanted and a lot of people did want that i'm sure but maybe if he had been been his true self he had you know and i think now he's become especially over the years he's definitely become more and more of his true self and given you know and maybe the andy kaufman him playing andy kaufman in a way helped him start that process or become that process or maybe he found the realization of that within that process uh, but I don't know. I love the documentary and the end of the documentary, you know, it's it, it, it. Everybody hated. Jim Carrey on set for like he, he just because he was annoying, he was always in character. And those Andy Kaufman characters weren't. All peaches and cream, a lot of them were meant to annoy you. A lot of what of Andy Kaufman's shtick was to find comedy in annoyance. You know, he was the heel of comedy, you know, with the wrestling, with even his Tony Clifton thing is very misogynistic, kind of like asshole. 
but at the end of it, because Jim Carrey was so much in the spirit of Andy Kaufman, like Andy Kaufman's family in a lot of ways found solace in being able to spend time with Andy for a little bit in this weird way. There were discussions and like kind of closure that a lot of them had. Um, and even the cast and crew at the very end of it, they were sad. Like they were sad to like, you know, to have, you know, been able to spend all of this time with, you know, Andy Kaufman in a way. And now it's over and Andy's going to be gone again, you know? So Jim Carrey in a lot of ways brought life back into Andy Kaufman and, you know, people, people sometimes don't want the, don't want what they think they want, you know, like maybe everybody has like sees the past in rose colored glasses and they have these memories of Andy Kaufman of, you know, without the, the thoughts and ideas or the memories of the times when Andy wouldn't stop being Tony Clifton, where he wouldn't stop being these characters and he was just annoying and that's what jim carrey did he brought all of that back to life and and i i really enjoyed the documentary uh so i highly recommend you go watch it um once again it's uh jim and andy is the documentary uh the great beyond is the subtitle well there's a longer part of that subtitle but you get you get the gist of it uh, so yeah, go watch it, enjoy it. Maybe my perspective on it will make you appreciate it more and not just come away like a lot of people thinking that, oh, Jim Carrey was just an asshole during that filming, was annoying to work with, and he's crazy now. Like, I think it's way deeper. I think there's way more layers to it. And I think the Jim Carrey that we're seeing now is the most real Jim Carrey that we've ever seen and I and I really enjoy it and I really love like he's doing you know his artwork is amazing and I don't know if there's a documentary of it but I know I I've seen like video clips of him in his studio working on these giant paintings and it's like I love it man if he never does a goofball character again like I didn't really I tried to watch the Dumb and Dumber sequel not a fan when he came back and it, it you know it's just like I think he's moved on. He's no longer that goofball character. He is he is him. He has gone to a different stage of his life. You know, and I appreciate that. So anyway, this is this is uh this is it. I'm done. You can follow me if you want to give me recommendations on movies that are coming out in theater that you want me to watch and recommend or uh, watch and review. Please shoot me your recommendations on Twitter, at Ray Taylor. I sometimes put up polls uh, of movies, uh, so you can participate in those, of movies that I'm thinking about reviewing. Uh, also, I have a ongoing abstract portrait series, which for me is a very big change from the art that I used to make. I used to do a lot of surrealism. I did a lot of, like... The portraits that I used to do, I used to do a lot of, like, realistic portraits, not really with color, but, you know, very much realistic portraits. And I've I've been trying to develop something new with The Many Faces. So you can check out every day I release a new face of The Many Faces on my Instagram. 
You can follow me on Instagram at Ray Taylor as well. Uh, and you can buy all of the many faces. There's well over 200. I'm sure I'm approaching 300. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when I'll hit 300, but I'll be very happy uh, to have done so when it happens. Uh, but you can purchase one of them at my website, inspireddisorder.com. Uh, you can buy a face for as little as $10. Uh, and the most expensive face on the website currently is $50. Um, so go support me. Go support me and buy my artwork if you choose to. Um, and if it's not your cup of tea, share it with your friends. Maybe one of your friends is into the kind of art that I'm making uh, or looking to decorate their home with some new pieces. Uh, I appreciate you all for watching. Appreciate you all for your support. And uh, I love you all. If you want to help support this podcast and the other shows that I do uh, through Patreon, if you're the type of person that donates to podcasts on Patreon or would like to start uh, or donating to artists, there's not just podcasts on Patreon, go over to patreon.com slash inspireddisorder. I ask that you donate a dollar. It's a monthly donation, so it's only $12 a month that you'd be spending most people wouldn't even notice $12 uh, a year, I'm sorry, uh, out of their checking account. So if you want to just donate a dollar, I would appreciate it. Tell your friends to donate a dollar. And if you want to donate more on a regular basis, you can. And there are perks if you would like them. And if there's perks that you can think of that you'd like for me to add, like you're like, Ray, I'd really love to donate $3 a month if I could get this perk or $5 a month, don't be like, hey, I think you should do a $5 a month perk and be the type of person that's never going to donate. Like, if, you're, if you want to spend money on the Patreon and you want to get a specific type of perk for your specific monetary donation and you're actually going to donate that money, then I will 100% be a hack in that situation and I will give you what I want. But as far as the podcast that I do, as far as the artwork that I do, I don't do it for anybody. I don't do it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. But I do it because I feel the need to do it and I enjoy doing it and I'm not going to stop doing it uh, no matter how many people uh, dislike what I do or have, you know, their specific criticisms, which I'm not against criticism. Uh, anyway, this is Ray Loves Movies. My name is Ray Taylor. I appreciate you all for watching. Go out, watch a movie. Go out, watch a documentary, and enjoy the show. Peace out, bitches! Uh